Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks and this week's edition comes ahead of Brand Licensing Europe, or BLE, which takes place in London next week between the 1st and 3rd of October. The three-day event brings together over 7,800 retailers and manufacturers with hundreds of leading brand owners and agents across entertainment, sports, gaming and more to identify new trends, build partnerships and secure the rights to brands. On the afternoon of Wednesday, October the 2nd, there'll be a seminar featuring top execs at five well-known UK animation production companies, Ardman Animations, Blue Zoo Productions, Magic Light Pictures, Akamar Films and Coolabye. I caught up with each panellist on the phone this week ahead of the session to discuss some of the challenges facing the UK animation market, doing deals with SVOD companies and the business and moral dilemmas that come with working with YouTube. I began by asking them what the main challenge facing the animation industry is at the moment and, alongside the usual groans around discoverability in a crowded market, it wasn't long until the dreaded B word popped up. So my name is Sean Clark. I am currently the Exec Director of Rights and Brand Development for Ardman Animations in Bristol and from November will be the Managing Director for Ardman. Well, I mean, like most of the country, there is the uncertainty around Brexit, which is proving a challenge to, in, in terms of our, our, our planning, um, and namely that's around the, the sort of talent pool in Europe and the free flow of talent to work on our productions. Um, and, you know, Ardman has over the years also tapped in in terms of our financing the European Media Fund. Um, so it's whether that's replaced. I mean, there has been some work done with the Young Audience Fund, um, but I think there's some un- there is some uncertainty around that, whether that's going to be a, a constant, you know, there's a, there's a one-off and, and hopefully it will be a constant to, to, to replace some of that that funding. Um, and then actually the, the, the other thing, which is a, a sort of interesting dynamic, I suppose, is that the, the, the market itself is, is thriving, and, uh, you know, with regard to new players coming into the market like Netflix, um, Disney Plus launching, a whole host of new SVOD platforms launching. So there is more money coming into the market, um, which is putting a pressure on the, on the talent pool on a global level as well, um, you know, sort of uh, experienced directors, storyboard artists, um, for longer form work in particular, whether it's a movie or a, or a 30, 40 minute special. So in some ways, a thriving market can create some challenges in terms of the, the talent pool you, you, you draw on. But I would think those are probably the, the two main areas that we're certainly, um, you know, trying to work our way through. Uh, my name is Ollie Hyatt. I work for Blue Zoo Productions and I am the owner um, but I also run the development side of the business. We're, like everyone else, we're just in a complete, you know, sort of blackout on, on, on what could what could happen. Um, you know, we're no further down the line with what it will mean for trading with the rest of the world either, or um, what the immigration system would be in a no deal. So there's a, there's a there's a big concern there. I mean, the the real bonus at the moment that's stopping. That worrying us worrying us too much is the dollar versus the pound because what that's doing is meaning the value of projects we get from America I mean we can afford to pay people a bit more, you know, in in, in real terms. But um, you know, that's beyond our the value of the pound is beyond our control. What we need to be able to control is our sort of our, our own costs, and and they are creeping up. My name's Alison Watkins. I'm director of 
consumer products and TV distribution for the Cooler Buy Group. <laughs> I don't, we don't know what Brexit looks like yet. I mean, this I think I think the delays from not knowing, from no clarity, is has got to have an impact on the business. You know, it, the effect that Brexit's had on currency exchange rates. You know, we're quite fortunate at Coolabai that we have a significant business outside the UK. So where we're taking revenue in from other from other territories, then, then you know, it's to our advantage in many ways. But that's, you know, that that's not, you know, that's not always, always the case as such. So I think the problem with Brexit is, is we don't know what it is. And we still don't know what it is. And that in itself means that people's planning can't work you know are you know are is con is british content still going to be perceived as eu content from a broadcaster point of view you know we're hearing that yes it will but i think until we have clarity regardless of which side of the fence that you sit on i think it's very difficult for businesses to plan my name is michael rose i'm the uh, joint ceo of magic light pictures uh, a company i set up with martin pope uh, in 2003 um, Brexit is is a massive issue, clearly, but you know, for for our business as for everyone. Uh, but for me, that's it's around the uncertainty of knowing what the business, uh, you know, what what, what sort of what's the uh, world we're, we're going to be operating in after October 31st. So the ongoing uncertainty is unhelpful. We've always seen ourselves as a European business, and we see ourselves as European producers, you know, rather than just British ones. Um, so, uh, you know, to the extent that barriers are put up to working with the European market, that's a huge problem for us. Um, there's an immediate threat of loss of Creative Europe funding, which I think has been a huge, you know, a huge benefit to producers in the UK. Uh, and I guess we will be looking to the, you know, UK government to somehow replace it, but I don't quite see that they will be able to or how they will. One hopes they will. Um, there's foreign exchange rate fluctuation, which has been unhelpful, and there's mobility of labour. So, you know, we, we've, we've been used to working very freely with European talents and, and animators, bringing them over here, going to them. Um, a few years ago, we set up our own studio in Berlin to produce revolting rhymes. Um, we've worked extensively in Europe. So I think all this is, you know, this is a big change coming, and or, or what and yes, it's still uncertain what kind of change it will be or what it will mean to us. Um, but we have taken the move to, we've now set up our um, a company in Ireland, Magic Light Ireland. Um, so we have a base in Europe going forward. But don't expect the entire UK animation industry to jump ship onto the Emerald Isle just yet, as not every exec I spoke to has the same post-Brexit plans. The views of Michael Shields of Bing producer Akamar and Sean Clark of Ardman to come. But first, here's Ollie Hyatt again. We'll look everywhere, really. We are thinking about um, having a base outside London. We're thinking about uh, a base outside of the UK and even outside Europe. We're looking at a few a few options. Um, again, like the tax credits, um, tra- tax credit regimes from other countries are changeable, and they, you know, there's there's been talk of what's happening with the Irish tax credit and and in, and in reality, um, you know, they, I think they've had a little bit of a rap on the knuckle for how it's being used. And if they, you know, if they go back to using it correctly, I don't think it's really worth, in real terms, much more than the, the UK stuff. 
Um, so I don't really, I, I get it in terms of um, they speak uh, they speak English as opposed to many other European countries if we were to go there, but they are suffering from the same talent shortage we are. So I think if we went over there, we would just be exporting our problem to somewhere else just for the sake of staying in Europe. Whereas actually if we went to uh, maybe France or somewhere else, um, we we might be able to alleviate that problem a little bit. Um, you know, these aren't hard and fast plans. These are just uh, just like ideas. But we're we're really keen to do as much as possible to keep the uh, sector here growing and try and make it try and make it work here. Yeah, there are options, aren't there? Canary Islands, one of them. Has a really Canary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and again, like it's all about what staff can you get out to places. What's the quality of staff going to be like? You know, it sounds re- sounds really silly. Like quite a few of our staff would like like a year in the Canary Islands, but wouldn't want to set up home there. And um, you know, for me, I you know I, lo- I I love living here. My family's here. You know, most of our most of our staff love working here, and, and we would really like to to grow to grow stuff here. Now we're we're getting more and more open to sort of co production. Um, uh, we think that's like a good option for us. Uh, some studios around the world are, have up their game to a point whereby we feel comfortable working with them. We're currently doing a co-production on uh, Paddington Bear uh, with France. So it, it's, um, you know, we're becoming more open to the world, uh, maybe at a time when the world isn't becoming more open to us. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Certainly, um with regard to the, the stop motion part of our business, which is, as you would expect, a cornerstone of, of everything we we do, we we are as long as we can physically afford to want to carry on making that here in Bristol. Um, you know, eight years ago, we we were part of the, the fight to get that UK tax credit, and um, I think that has helped provide a stimulus to animation in in the UK. Um, I think that what well, we we do have an internal sales team that travel the world and sell our product as well as other third parties actually um so we're always actively traveling. I think the only thing that we may seriously consider in terms of our slate on projects that probably aren't stop motion whether that's two d or c g is whether we we have a ser- serious conversation about looking at co production partners on a studio level in Ireland. And it seems the obvious place, obviously, in terms of time zone and language, culture, everything else. Um, but we, we wouldn't be setting up an office as such. I'm Michael Shields, and I'm the chief executive of Akamar Films. And I'm the producer, uh, and I lead the team uh, for Bing, which is uh, a project we're doing for the BBC in the United Kingdom right now. There's a lot of activity in our industry where people do things in order to make structures tax efficient. And there's nothing wrong with that. If, if governments are offering genuine incentives to genuine, genuine companies, like the Session 481 initiatives in Ireland or the tax shelter, the, the tax uh, rebates we're getting on production in the UK or EIS investment to companies, we'll look at them like any other company. However, our at the top of the pyramid in terms of value for us, is doing good work, working with who we choose to work with, uh, and that means good writers, good actors, good cast, good talent, and then making our kind of fiduciary relationships fit around that and support that. And that's the horse that comes before that cart. So we don't have any plans to move to the Netherlands or Ireland or anywhere else 
if we're liable to open up an overseas presence, it's more likely to be further afield than that in North America or in Asia. Uh, and we have considered that. We're, we're thinking about that now. So the United States of America, which is set to see the arrival of a host of new SVOD services from the likes of Disney, Apple, Warner Media, and NBC Universal in the not too distant future. How much do UK animation companies expect to work with services such as these, plus Paysetter Netflix, in the future? Here's Sean Clark of Ardman. Yeah, we're, we're knocking on all those doors, talking to all of them. Um, and uh, it, it, it is an exciting time. I was saying to someone the other day, I can't think of another time when there are these sort of paradigm shifts that are happening, apart from I'm old enough to remember when DVD came into the market, you know, and all the money came with, with DVD. In some ways, this is looking to replace that in terms of how you build a, a, a finance plan. Um, so, it, no, it is exciting. I mean, Ardman is built on its independence. Uh, you, you obviously know that the founders, David Spoxman and Peter Lord, sold the studio to its employees last year to future-proof that independence. So that's a huge strength in our ability to talk to everybody, you know, and, and, and be who we are and our creative integrity and, and try and build a plan, whether it is with a, with a Netflix, an Apple, a Disney, or I think Comcast has now announced their new service, Peacock, which is coming out in, in 2020. I think the challenge lies is is sort of how you how you sort of consolidate that with your you know um, on projects with your existing traditional partners as well. And it's how you work out the respective windows. Um, if you do retain any rights in a show or a movie, is getting a clear understanding as to how many people are going to see it around the world, when they're going to see it, so those rights have some some sort of value. Um, but that's that's the exciting world that we're in, you know. It's ever changing. I think we'll be stood here, we could be stood here having this conversation three years from now, and a, a lot of people, you know, including myself, are not 100% sure what the landscape is going to be like. So it's a it's quite an exciting, dynamic time. And now, Michael Rose. One of the things from our point of view at Magic Light is we're, you know, again, our model is to to focus on just doing a few things uh, and doing them as well as possible, but also owning and controlling our own rights so that we do all our own distribution in-house, we do all our own licensing and merchandising in-house. Um, and, and that's how we built the Gruffalo brand and are building it around the world. Um, these platforms so far uh, are looking to, to I mean, they're, they're paying handsomely for content, but they also own and control that content. And the, once you've made the, the product, the producer has very little impact, I believe, in, 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 in it thereafter. So that's not entirely in, in sync with our own um, model, uh, business model, which is to build a, a, a you know, which is a, as, a, as a rights-owning IP development and management business, IP development production and then management business. So I think lots of opportunities lies in Apple and Disney and the, and the other platforms, but also again, it's it's a changing model. Here's Cooler Buys, Alison Watkins. The more platforms there are. <laughs> you know, should say that the more places there are to place your content. Um, what we're not seeing yet, and we're not even seeing it, you know, from the like, you know, from, from a Netflix point of view now is whether shows that only live on that AVOD, on that SVOD platform, can they, can they drive a licensing and merchandising program? Now, we've seen sort of success coming from things like Stranger Things, where there's sort of quite a cult um, following, but actually... You know, it's it's yet to properly be seen um, coming from animation, but it's but it is going to, going to be the next logical step because certainly from a critical mass point of view, 
um, you know, they're they garnering the audiences needed to drive that licensing programme. I mean, I think it will come. I mean, I, you know, I do think it will come. I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, I, again, I think it's collaboration between content owners and partners, you know, and their broadcast partners about, you know, what's going to help because there's no point in having a fantastic show on Netflix if nobody knows where to find it, particularly if it's a brand new brand and a brand new property that people aren't aware of. If you're not a title that's being sort of served up as a recommended to watch, it's going to be difficult to find you. You know, there's a lot of thumbnails and a lot of tiles, you know, on the SVOD platforms in order to sort of seek seek out what it is you want to watch. And we know that kids love familiarity. So it will be very hard to divert the attention, you know, of a child who's seen what their favourite show is and wants to consume that to try something else. Here's Ollie Hyatt. I think the extra players coming to the market will mean that there's more work to go around the world. I don't think it's a, a you, you know, it's not just to do with the UK. I think it's um, a, a global, uh, a global uh, position. But um, you know, we're in an excellent position with our tax credit to take on this work. If only we've got the resource to do it. Um, and again, what I don't want us to become is just like a, a, a shop window. So people come here, they just, um, you know, they they take a bit of our content and then we make them all completely elsewhere. You know, I'd really like, I think the best projects that come out of the UK, the ones that are written, born, created here and animated here as well. Things like Peppa Pig and, and things people put their heart and soul into. I, I, I think, um, yeah, so again, it, it depends on staffing. If we can't staff up to that degree, then the UK is going to miss out on that bonanza. Um, but again, also, it, there is only a certain amount of content that, children can watch and eventually these things are going to have to balance out it's not going to be an upward curve forever and eventually these things are going to go down again indeed in the face of serious competition from netflix we've already seen amazon wave the white flag by stepping away from original series for children meanwhile akamar films is approaching the s market differently and going it alone with its own direct-to-consumer service based on its popular preschool property bing I asked Michael Shields how big a challenge it is to launch your own SVOD app in an already crowded market. Uh, it's huge. We have actually launched it, and I'm delighted to see it's going really well. Um, I think our, our attitude to it is really straightforward. If you think of our audience, our audience is, a set, is essentially young parents and, and their young children they're actively consuming content on mobile devices, on television, increasingly connected smart televisions, on catch-up, on YouTube and other AVOD services, on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon and other SVOD services. And so if our audience is actively looking at those platforms, we want to make sure that we are there. And we have a very long-term vision for Bing uh, the thing about an app is it allows us to have a direct relationship with our audience and it allows us to offer the whole parabola of linear filmmaking, short form content, interactive educational content, which really works well on those devices, music, games, and also to build community with our audience. So we haven't set this up in a way uh, financially or creatively where it needs to be a blockbuster success on day one we've made the move as a strategic commitment to this platform and uh, we view it as a, you know, take several years for it to mature 
And actually, we're really excited about it. It's really energised our whole team, and it's, it's already teaching us things. And you agreed a deal with B- the BBC that meant that those episodes will eventually air on CBBS. So how much it will, a, yeah. was that a challenge, getting the exclusivity to launch it on your own app first? Uh, yes, I think it was a challenge. But to qualify that, I think that if you're an executive working in a broadcaster today, if you're an independent producer today, if you're working for Amazon today or Netflix, if you're an independent writer, every single person, every single stakeholder in that mix is challenged. For all of the incumbent monopolies, all they can see is this proliferation of platforms and their audience scattering to the four winds. If you're a producer, uh, you've got the challenge of trying to maintain successful relationships with long-standing partners, whilst also not agreeing deals that cut you off from what are exciting new areas of, of expansion. And if you're in the new platforms, you want to get content and a lot of it's locked up. So every single person in that landscape has a challenge. And I think one of the questions is, how do you, how do you negotiate in good heart uh, and with integrity? And how do you not squander those relationships where you find intelligent ways to give everybody primacy in their own area of rights whilst also making an offering to the audience that's, that, that meets their needs too? That isn't easy. That takes time. And I think... Time's on your side, so you need to make sure you're around for long enough to continue to have that conversation. But the fact that we've done this with the BBC's blessing and that we're then going on television, we're actually holding some episodes back for a theatrical reason, view cinemas in November, will then be on YouTube and will be on Amazon, shows that we've managed to understand this properly, we've managed to negotiate it uh, successfully, and we've managed to bring all of those partners along but it's taken a long time, and I certainly wouldn't say it's been easy. More than ever, the onus is on producers to market and publicise their programming and boost its chances of success. YouTube is a key part of that strategy, but it's a platform that comes with its own unique set of headaches, not only in terms of balancing exclusivity with broadcasters, but also the legitimate concerns about the amount of inappropriate content on the platform for kids. Here's Michael Shields again. How do we approach YouTube? I think that we're we're pragmatic about it. We're also cautious about it. Um, as a platform, it gives you extraordinary reach. And we're programming 18 channels around the world at the moment. And we're enjoying real success on YouTube. Um, it allows us to experiment with new formats quickly in ways that we can't do so easily with linear broadcast relationships. Um, it is effectively, you know, from our studio in Camden, we have a global distribution network, which is extraordinary. Um, it also, you know, I think for the industry as a whole, it's given an access point for new talent to try out new ideas quickly, some of which has ended up in rather garish offerings and some of which has ended up with rather interesting offerings. Um, so I think that the fact that you can also see the metrics and see the data, the content management system interface is really clever. And so it gives you a lot of information about your content that you wouldn't have otherwise, which is really beneficial. It's brought some new revenues to the table, which is always helpful. Um, I think that, so we've been pragmatic about it because broadly we view it as being a positive. There are 
negatives. There's areas to be cautious. I mean, first of all, YouTube was not designed and is not designed to be a platform for delivering content to children. And if you're not careful, you're only two or three clicks away from something horrendous. And so we're really, really hard-headed about user-generated content. I think the other negative about it is there is a lack of regulation in this space. And so one of our, I suppose another of our reasons for investing in our own mobile platform is that we want a long-term relationship with our content, with our, with our audience that is agnostic, that, that's not platform dependent because we, you know, we don't know how the regulatory environment is going to move in relation to Google and Facebook and Instagram. We don't know what's going to happen to the audience share of all the big incumbents globally. But at least if we have a direct relationship with people on their handsets in the next two, three, four, five years, we've got a way of programming and reaching them and having a dialogue with them. So I, I, that, there's, we have a balanced view of it, I think, but it, 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 it's, it's essentially positive. Michael Rose. The, to me, YouTube accentuates the trend whereby today's audience expects material and content for free. And one of the things that um, we're obsessed about at Magic Light is producing very high quality content, and that's inevitably kind of expensive content, and we need to find a way to, to, you know, to, pay, to pay for it, to get it made. So there is a sort of tension, I would say, between this increasing um, uh, demand for free content and the, our belief in the need to, to, to deliver quality content to the audience, uh, which then we need to find a way to pay for. Here's Sean Clark on Ardman's approach to YouTube. We have a team internally of three people that are constantly managing our own channels. Um, and, it, you know, everything we do, it figures. We, we know we're just launching our second Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, in, in October. And that that is an asset that we've used to it, to the full. Um, it is our is our social media global footprint with YouTube and everything else to promote it and, and get insight what people like about um, projects that we're making um, and there's a clear correlation so if something's on the television you know all the searches and, the, and your subscribers go up so they work off each other it is that constant ten, constant tension as you say about how you convey that in a positive way to a, to a broadcaster but I think if you if you're creating a production you should create assets in a way that complement what you deliver to the broadcaster so they sort of work off each other. Or if you look at something like Sean the Sheep, which is a very big brand for us, you know, we're on to our sixth season, we, we, we sort of plan it in a more strategic way that our sixth season will be available on our broadcast partners around the world, but season one is available on YouTube, you know, so they work off each other. And, and I think it's all about the planning. Um, the, the unfortunate thing with YouTube is it's ever-changing, you know, how the uh, algorithm measures views and, and, uh, and how, you, how you get up the, the search engine. And, and the news you may have seen recently about the, the fact that Google's been fined, I think, $170 million for the issues of, of targeting kids. Um, that has implications, which I think a lot of the industry is worried about next year, that if there aren't any targeted ads to kids, there could be implications in, in, in terms of the, the income. So it, it's a constant assessment that you have to make, both in terms of your budgeted and your planning. But it's with us. It's a fact, you know, and we have to, we have to work with it. Finally, I asked Sean, who takes up the role of MD in November at the Wallace & Gromit producer, whether his appointment will see a shift in strategy at the company, given his background and expertise in consumer products, brand development and distribution. 
I wouldn't necessarily say a change in strategy. I mean, I you know, I don't come into the MD role as, as a filmmaker, as, as, as David is, but I come into it understanding the filmmaker process. And I'd like to think I've got creative integrity. You know, what I want to do is build a long-term plan to allow filmmakers to carry on flourishing at Ardman and, and protect our, our independence. But clearly part of that plan is profitability and allowing us to make informed decisions um, on everything that, that we do. But, you know, we are where we are. It is a very crowded world uh, with everybody clamoring for for eyeballs isn't it you know wherever wherever you are so i think whenever you create something you have to look at it in a holistic way and and sean the sheep is a very good example of that so i you know i i don't i don't stand here saying that the company is only going to make product where it sells toys but we have to have those projects that are that, that create um profitability to us allow us to in to, to take a punt on, you know, on short films or, or other projects, which are, are more about, you know, um, innovation and, um, and and creativity um, and, and cause-related aspects versus being seen as something that's going to, you know, create, a, if you like, a, a sustainable income line. That's all we have time for on this week's podcast, but be sure to stay up to date with all the latest industry developments, including our coverage of next week's BLE by following C21 online, on Twitter and on mobile. Thanks for listening.